Hello, and welcome to the weekly podcast of C2 Church in Columbia, Missouri. Church, I'm glad you're here with us this morning, and uh, I want you to give a warm welcome this morning to our C2 missionary to the Philippines, Dwight Palmquist. <laughs> We're so thankful that uh, you get to be with us, or rather we get to be with you. We had a chance to catch up a little bit here at the Assemblies of God 100-year celebration. You've not been around for all 100 of those years, have you? Yeah, 100 years. <laughs> I won't be around for the second one for That's sure. That's right. Well, Dwight, share with us a little bit about uh, who you are and, and your, your uh, field of ministry. I've been a missionary for, to the Philippines for uh, 42 years. I left January 3rd, 1972, 42 below in Minneapolis, 85 above when I arrived <laughs> in Manila. From that time, I've been traveling in the interior. Uh, I'm a single missionary because of the danger. I've uh, been ambushed four times, shot at three times. It's just a lot of danger when you're outside of the cities in uh, Muslim areas and communist areas in the mountains. But we have to go there because these are the unreached areas, and we believe that there are no closed doors to the gospel. That's right. I remember uh, hearing you tell some stories years ago in my home church. Uh, this probably would have been 20 years ago, and I remember hearing the stories. I remember of the stories, it was your heart. It was your heart to reach people and, and work with the churches, reaching the unreached people groups. And that was an inspiring thing. What, what difference is C2 making in the lives of, of the people of the Philippines through you, through your ministry? C2 is part of my backup team. And when it comes to reward, just like a soldier in the army, uh, if he doesn't have a backup team, he's not going to survive. And it's because of you. Uh, Jerome and Heather also were out there in the Philippines. And I don't know if they're here this morning, by the way. I, are they here? Not here? Not unless they're pastoring Kansas City. Let them off, which I oh, yeah, okay. Jerome and Heather Sack. Are, <laughs> they uh, were from this church, church yeah. originally and did a good job in the Philippines. But I do appreciate all of the help that you've sent. Uh, not only your your uh, support, but your prayers. Can I just give a short illustration of Always. prayer? Because uh, some people think, you know, prayer doesn't really work. I had told the Lord, uh, if there's trouble up ahead, give me some warning. You know, that was after I was ambushed four times. I should have thought of that before. <laughs> and so I said, uh, give me some warning. Sure enough, we had been in a danger zone for about three weeks. We had one place left. Middle of the night, I just sensed that God had a message for me. And I prayed for about an hour. After an hour, I just sensed in my spirit that God was saying, don't go to the next place and leave this place before the sun rises. I told my friend, Filipinos, get up early. I said, we've got to go. I've been warned by the Lord. We passed by a store on the way out to get some bread he comes back without the bread. He says, don't talk to me. Let's get out of here. I'll talk to you later. So we got out of that place, going back home, like the Lord said. He said, you were right. He said, the guards in this uh, town 
uh, informed us there's a huge group of uh, communists coming from the west side and we're leaving from the east side. And five minutes after they arrived. Now, the second part was the second place. And the guy said there after a few weeks, uh, my friend visited him and he said, wow, he said this place was raided by the communists and uh, four of them stayed in the pastor's uh, church and they told the pastor, uh, we know an American's coming here tomorrow and they really are looking for Americans to kidnap them. It's just part of their business. But... uh, The Lord warned me before that happened. Why? Because that pastor, 12 o'clock midnight, after the communists had gone to sleep, he said, Lord, I don't care what it takes. Uh, Cause this missionary somehow not to come here. Just hinder him from coming here. I was literally impacted by his prayer. But before that happened, I received a message once in my life, once in my life, leave this place before sunrise. Don't go to the next place. I'm 68. It's just so happened that the very day that I received that message was the day I needed it. Amen. Hey, prayer works. That's right. And I think sometimes we think of, of prayer as this sort of, well, it's just tell God the list of your needs. And yet really in that, it's, it's the, the sensitivity to what God is trying to communicate to us. So tell me what your primary work is and what uh, kind of maybe a week in the life of, I don't know if you have a typical week, but what, share with us what that might look like. Okay, I left, uh, two years ago I left uh, General Santos in the south in Mindanao to a place 10 hours later by road, uh, if you don't stop, or just, you know, usually it's a 10-hour trip to the north part of the island. But for me it took two years. 500 churches. When I came to the Philippines, we had 280 AG churches. Now we have over 4,000. But, yeah, to God be the glory. Uh, To do this, I I have no home because if I had a home, no, I would never be there. Uh, And, you know, if they see an empty house in the Philippines, it's really dangerous you have to have somebody stay there. Otherwise, the place is going to be ransacked by some thief. Then, on that trip, every night, what we do is we have a music drama team. We show film. Uh, Filipinos, I'm supposed to be mentoring them, but they mentor me. <laughs> <laughs> they still show me some of the things that, you know, I've never learned in school. But we show the film Jesus. How many of you have seen the Jesus film, Campus Crusade for Christ? If you haven't seen it, it's an excellent film. It's more than two hours long. We cut it down to about 45 minutes. Highlights, we show this every night in their language. 85 languages in the Philippines. We have only uh, the film and only 11, but they're, show, they're, uh, they're translating it in three more. So we show the second film in their language also, and it's called Alpha and Omega. After, the G- after Jesus ascends into heaven, the second film begins coming back to earth, the destruction of the earth, the final judgment, all on film. 
And the first guy gets sent to hell for 35 seconds. The second guy gets sent to heaven for a minute and a half. After we show that film, I challenge them. I'll give you an opportunity to transfer from the worst possible future that you can think of in hell. It's worse than what you can think of. To the best possible future in heaven. You've seen both places. What's your decision? And what was the response from that that night? Oh, man. I mean, we really, the films have a definite anointing, a definite anointing. And uh, something like we're doing here, we're, we do uh, things that are totally different, you know, with music and drama team and all this. And so I, I feel right at home in this kind of setting. Well, very good. Very good. Well, we're, we're sure appreciative. Sem- several of us traveled to the Philippines uh, back in 2010 and Eastern Samar and uh, Guion and some of those places that were damaged by the super typhoon. What have you seen coming out of the typhoon? And, and maybe share with us a little bit about that. We, did, we, we took up offerings and sent uh, those on to help the Filipino church. What, what's the status of that today? Well, it was very interesting. Uh, I, I assessed the entire area after the typhoon. 175 uh, AG churches totally destroyed. The, the typhoon was really powerful. And it would take uh, steel, you know, roofs and twist them so they just had to be done all over again. And uh, buildings that were almost totally damaged. So by God's grace, uh, the Lord provided resources to put a roof, the skeleton and the roof, over every one of them. And the church will do the rest, but that was really interesting. But when I went back into Takloban and Giwan, where they were, it was amazing. One person said in Takloban, he said, uh, we're roofless, we're homeless, but not hopeless. And if you look at the contrast, we saw also, because we were helping people, feeding programs, helping everyone we could. And uh, they were so depressed if they didn't know the Lord. Some of them thought of suicide. And in talking to them, what a different response than people that knew the Lord. It was amazing. That's amazing. And, and we had a hand in that. Uh, Convoy of Hope was, was part yes. of the recovery efforts. Yeah, a mission we support through your giving and through your faith promises. So thank you, church, uh, for that. You truly are being within arm's reach. Uh, through missionaries and missions like Convoy of Hope, we're doing things that you and I, could, we couldn't hop on a plane and fly over there, but we could give, we could pray. And that's how uh, I feel like we're, we're making an impact. One other way I think our students are making an impact is through Speed the Light. Speed the Light is uh, the missions giving program with our students, and it's, it's all student-driven. They raise money to buy vehicles for missionaries. You've had the opportunity to drive a couple of speed light vehicles. Yes. What do those look like? Well, the last one, uh, 2008, still doing great. It's a van type of uh, a vehicle because I need a house on the road. <laughs> he lives in a van down yeah. by the river. That's right. So I, I need more space, you know, and then we've got the literature and we've got all the other stuff. So, um, but I seldom sleep in that van because, uh, you know, but when I'm back in the interior, you know, there's no other place to sleep except probably the church or somebody's home. That's the two options that we have. But I bring a mat with me. It's usually cement floor. 
I could sleep on this pretty good. <laughs> we have hotels. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I enjoy this type of work. It's a, it's a real adventure to me, especially going back into an unreached place. Imagine where there is no church, Catholic or Protestant. It's all animistic way up in the mountains. So we're reaching places like that too. And that, that just inspires me to, to go places where uh, the gospel hasn't gone to partner with local churches for the sustainability of the gospel being uh, promoted throughout that region. I think one of the things when I, when I first met you years ago that really tugged at my heart was not just the difficulty of the mission that you're on, the part of the mission we're all part of, but specifically you're calling to the Philippines, but that... You chose at that young age that you went to do it as a single person. I think sometimes in the States and probably in Western Christian culture, there's a pressure on young people to be married. And if you're not married, you're almost look at as you've been stricken, <laughs> you know, you're almost the leper of, of because the pressure in, a, in the church is to be married and things like that. And yet you, at one point, tell me about the process, how the Lord brought you about to that decision. Okay, it goes back. I was a student at the University of Minnesota and uh, wanted to be an airline pilot. My friend had the same ambition, but uh, he did not have perfect vision. I passed all the examinations to begin my training, but the Lord said, I have a different plan. I said, okay, Lord, but don't send me to some far-off forsaken land on the other side of the world where I'll be miserable the rest of my life. Well, he did send me to the other side of the world. By the way, don't tell the Lord what you don't want to do. (laughs) He may just send you there. But the second part was not true. I really enjoyed it. Secondly, coming to the Philippines, I never thought that I would be single for my life. But when when I traveled in the interior... The problem I have is if I were married, I'd never go to the places where I go. It's just too dangerous. And your first responsibility as a married person is your family and your kids. But because I'm single, I can go into uh, very dangerous places. It's absolutely amazing how the Lord has protected me. That's amazing. At at one point you shared with me again this morning, you were engaged to a a young yeah, lady. I was. And uh, she had been in the Philippines for two years as a MAPS worker. And she had been up in the mountains. But uh, when we got engaged and got back to Springfield, uh, she felt uh, I could do that, you know, four days a month. But she felt, no, I, I don't want to do that anymore. But my heart was back in places like that. I have a heart for the unreached. Mm. And I wasn't going to say anything because I'm engaged now. But she told me, she says, something's wrong. And you know how women are. They know something's wrong. Even if you're smiling and you're pretending like nothing's wrong, you know, they know. So I finally had to share what, what was on my heart. And she said, uh, what's most important to me is how you honestly feel God is leading. And... Uh, we both have to, may have to make a sacrifice in that. And so we both made that decision. But that was the toughest decision I ever made. When you really love somebody and then you feel that it is a different plan. God has a different plan. 
God uses women tremendously in the Philippines. But back where I go, for me, it was a different plan from the Lord. Well, thanks for, for sharing that. What do, you, what do you see? You're going back here in just uh, November. Okay, you're just here for a few months. What do you see as the, the greatest opportunities for you in the Philippines Uh, The greatest opportunity is just to help these churches back in unreached areas. I haven't talked about the Muslim, but we have four Assembly of God pastors that were Muslim before, complete Muslim. And they were reached by pastors. You know, I would love to say I'm the first to start a church. I've never been, and it's by my choice I don't want to go into a place unless there's a church there. Because if I, as an evangelist, go to a place and there's no church, there's no follow-up. There's, there's, you know, how can you survive without a local church? How can they survive? So these Filipinos go and they invite me. I only go for a couple of days. But they go back into an area and it's 90, 95% Muslim. And they tell them, We're here to reach the non-Muslims in this area. But they have feeding programs. They're very friendly to the Muslim. And this is unusual to the Muslim because uh, most people are afraid of them. They just avoid them in the Philippines also. And for a non-Muslim to be friendly, and they know this guy is a pastor, but because he's so friendly and he's helping in the education of their children, in food, and some of the the things that he does. I I remember just one testimony of one of those pastors. He comes up to the pastor, he says, uh, when he was still Muslim, he says, I'm a Muslim. He says, I cannot understand how you have so much peace. He says, there's no peace in in our area. You're the only one that has this kind of peace. And so he showed him the Jesus film, started discipling him. And now he's a pastor. He had to leave his family. Hmm. He had to disappear. His family doesn't know where he is because he will be killed by his own family. And uh, he just disappeared. Wow. And this is a reality of the greater church worldwide is many Muslims who are coming to Christ are facing the same type of persecution. Yeah. What do you see... Um, and, and maybe not just for the Philippines, but maybe uh, for the mission in general, what's the greatest need uh, facing uh, the gospel right now or coming up? Uh, the greatest need, I would say, is visibility. You have so many Christians that uh, have no, uh, uh, let's see, some type of outreach uh, to somebody not Christian. And even just your character, your character is definitely the most important. But I want every one of you to pray also that God will use you to be a shining light right here. Because people here, you know, in America, Colombia, they say, oh, this place is not dangerous. You have a lot of places here in America that are extremely dangerous. And you have a lot of people right here that they're really looking for something more than what they have. We have the answer, but what we need to do is pray somehow 
that God will give us an open door to the unreached, to the people that are not Christian. And America, it's more difficult. Your mission field is more difficult than mine because you're not supposed to talk about your faith here in the U.S. You're supposed to be silent about it. But uh, I believe visibility by that, I mean in the Philippines also. Maybe I could inject it here at this point. Uh, missionaries that come. are young. We only have one younger missionary in the Philippines. We have 40 families. Every one of us is over 45. Mm. So I'm praying the prayer of uh, interference. I mean intercession. <laughs> praying that God will call uh, Americans, younger Americans, to the field overseas as well. That's great. You know, I was talking to another missionary this week at the at the uh, centennial celebration of the Assemblies of God. The Assemblies of God turned 100 this year. I don't know if you know that. In 1914, it was started, and now we celebrate in 2014, 100 years of God's faithful work, uh, 67 million, is that what the number was? 67 million Assemblies of God believers worldwide. That's pretty incredible. And we're just getting, th- I agree with what they were saying, and we're just getting started. Yeah. You know, and in Christian Chapel, I believe the best is yet ahead for us. And I, I'm, I'm challenged by the word you just uh, sp- spoke uh, about each one of us reaching somebody. Yeah. Would you make that your prayer this year? As we approach the new school year, who's the one person you're thinking about? Or maybe there's a handful of people you're praying for. Who's the one person you're going to lead to Christ this year? Maybe the question is, who's the last person I led to Christ? Have, what's the answer to that? And if not, maybe this is the year that you lead somebody to Christ personally. Yeah. Can I say something? The lie of the enemy is, ah, I can't lead somebody to Christ. You start with the goal. I believe God can use me to be an instrument. You might not be the only one to be an instrument in bringing one person to Christ this year. Make that your goal. When you receive that goal, when, when God answers that prayer, because you can't, you can't save them. God can, mm-hmm. but you start with prayer. Uh, if you're a shy type of person, you leave tracks at the most conspicuous places. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of things where you can be an instrument, and sometimes you don't know that you are. But we have to be more proactive in evangelism, all of us. That's the only way that we're going to really reach America for Christ. That's true. In, in speaking to other missionaries, and we talked about that this morning, is one of the great needs of our movement is young missionaries. Yeah. We, we were talking earlier about, uh, I was saying how we've had many interviews with with missionaries that uh, represent Christian chapel around the world. And it seems that most of them have been uh, 60 or over. In fact, if you look at the missionaries we support, uh, a great number of them are approaching or over 60. Young people in this room, listen to me. God is calling some of you to full-time missionary work. Some of you know it and haven't responded to it. If you think you can ignore God, you're wrong. He's going to keep hounding you. Um, some of you don't know it yet, but you're called to missions full-time. Some of you, God is calling to participate more in missions, whether it's through giving or going. I want to challenge all the men in our church. This coming summer, we're going to go to El Salvador, and I want you to go. God is calling some of you men 
to have a hand in the mission in El Salvador. You've heard the stories. You've seen the wall we've built. Now it's your turn. I've prayed about it. You don't need to. (laughs) Some of you, God is calling. So start saving your pennies and your dollars. Talk about it with your spouse if you're married. Some of you single men, you don't need to talk to anybody. Just decide right now to be faithful to what God is calling you to do. One of the missionaries I spent some time with this week commented to me. He said, you know, there are people who are called to missions. And then he commented, but you can still volunteer. And that's true about the mission of God. Some are called to full-time vocational mission or pastoral work, but you can always volunteer. God is not going to say no to you. He's not going to turn you down uh, when you volunteer for his work. Our band is going to come at this time as we prepare to close. It was so great to to meet Pastor Ray, is it Caluso? Caluse. Caluse. He's the superintendent of the Filipino Assemblies of God Church. And he commented this week when he was sharing, he said, the most important part of what is going on is the movement of ordinary believers in the church mobilized for the mission of God. And if we're going to be an unstoppable church, if you're going to have an unstoppable faith, understand that though you might feel ordinary, that's exactly what God needs. He said something about we don't need superstars, we need a galaxy of ordinary stars. And I thought, what a great way to look at it. You might consider yourself, your financial situation, your, your present situation, well, I can't give or I can't go. And I'm just saying you can do both of those. You can respond in some way to God this morning. Our volunteers are going to come forward in just a second as we receive our morning tithes and offerings. And I remind you again of the great impact you are making around the world. The work that Dwight is doing is he's doing because of your prayers, but also because of your finances. Because of your sacrificial giving, he's able to do the things he's able to do. Convoy of Hope is able to help repair churches and rebuild lives uh, through through their ministry as well. Your monthly faith promises, that which is above your, your normal tithes and offerings, is going directly to our missionaries. And what a wonderful thing you guys are doing. We are exceeding our, our uh, missions giving from last year. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? We're going to pray this morning, church, as, as our volunteers come forward to receive the morning tithes and offerings. We're going to pray not only for your giving this morning, that the Lord can, you, do you believe that the Lord can take what we give, our humble gift, and multiply it? I believe that. And I believe he's been doing it all this year. Even though our church has its own needs, we're going to continue to participate in the mission of God. Dwight, you disappeared on me. We're going to pray. That's all right. You can stand right there. Church, as we pray this morning, as you give this morning, would you stretch out your hand as a sign of your prayers for Dwight and his ministry? And I think some of you this morning, the Holy Spirit is tugging on your heart in a couple different ways. Some of you haven't been walking close to Christ. And I felt this morning when we sang the song, Jesus paid it all. You need to respond this morning to Christ. You need to come to Him or come back to Him. And now is that moment. 
For some of you, it's the, the mission. You're hearing the stories. This isn't, these aren't romantic stories of an individual, but rather the individual who is faithful to the thing that God called him to do. And now he's calling some of you young people. You need to respond. And young is relative, understand. Because there are some of you who are over 30 and over 40 that God is calling you to step forward in some way. We are a church of generations. Would you believe that God would use you too? Let's pray, church. Father, we thank you that you are faithful in all things. We ask you take our humble gifts this morning and multiply them for your use. For those who are far from you this morning, this morning we reach out to you and we just say, Jesus. We just cry out the name of Jesus. And for those who are feeling your tug on their spirit this morning to step forward in missions through giving, through prayer, and through going, Father, we confirm that call. Let nothing stand in its way. This morning we stand with arms high and our heart abandoned to you, to the one who has done it all for us. Would you bless Dwight and his work in the Philippines? Would you go before him and clear the way? Would you continue by your Holy Spirit to lead and guide him? Not just to keep him safe, but to empower him to do your work. It's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Lift your hand this morning. Father God, you see every hand in this room that's lifted to you. Every heart abandoned and surrendered to you. We will not ignore that that tug at our heart. When we hear the stories of the, the work of the, of the mission going forward through missionaries, that tug in our heart to respond, to participate, to do something. And for those, Lord, this morning who are responding to your call, to, to yourself as you draw people to you this morning, the cry for forgiveness and for healing and for wholeness, we respond, and Father, this morning, by your Holy Spirit, bring salvation and forgiveness and healing. This morning, Lord, we respond as a church, as a community. Church, would you lift your hands this morning? We respond this morning and say, we will stand. We will stand for the lost in the community of Columbia and reaching out to the surrounding cities and around the world. Lord, this morning, find us available and willing and faithful to do our part so that men and women like Dwight can do their part. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Seal in our hearts your work this morning. It's in the powerful name of Christ that I pray. Amen. Amen, church. We love you. We look forward to seeing you back here next week at C2. Have a blessed week. Also, be sure to visit our website at www.c2church.com to find out more information about C2 Church and ways you can connect with other people. You can also find us on Facebook or Twitter.